Well, welcome to the Cup for Time podcast. Welcome back to the Cup for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. Eric and I are back from our various mm-hmm. adventures and ready to uh, dive back into Sunday's message. Uh, Sunday's message started a new message series here at the church, focusing on finding the gospel of Jesus Christ in several different movies. And so Sunday we started by talking about how we find supporting roles um, in our lives and how we find supporting roles in Scripture and how we find supporting roles in the Emperor's New Groove. So we're going to dig into that, and so let's go ahead and get into it. Sounds good. Can we start at the scripture this sure, time? Sure, yeah. So we, can you kind of recap what Luke was talking about in, in the story and maybe the, the background to what Jesus was doing there? Yeah, definitely. So um, this is a story that is in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, Matthew's version is a little bit different. Mark and Luke's version is very similar, um, where it talks about Jesus being in Capernaum. Um, and being in this place and this person with, that's been struck with, with paralysis um, and the crowd being so big. And what I found really interesting that we didn't get a chance to talk to about on Sunday is that the crowd is so big because scribes and Pharisees have come from all around, including from Jerusalem, which is no small journey. Like Capernaum is on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. Jerusalem is very much on the southern part of, of the nation of Israel. And so to know that there are people from all over is very, very fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the crowd was so big because there was scribes and Pharisees. Um, and I think that Jesus was trying to make a point um, in this story because he, when he does this healing action, he doesn't talk as if he's healing him. He talks as if he's forgiving him. You know, your sins are forgiven. Take up your mat and walk. That's not like normal. That's not what Jesus says in a lot of other healing stories. And I think that Jesus is saying that specifically because he knows the crowd. Because he knows that those scribes and Pharisees are going to react to that. Because he is claiming an authority that the scribes and the Pharisees do not believe that he has. You know, they question in their minds and they question in their hearts, why does Jesus say this? And then Jesus, you know, Luke tells us that Jesus perceives their, their thoughts and says, I said it this way for a reason. I said it this way so that I could claim my authority in front of you so that you can know who you're dealing with. Like, I think that Jesus is giving them an opportunity to see him as the Messiah sent from God here in this very early healing story. Like in, in Mark's gospel, this is Mark chapter 2. In Luke's gospel, this is Luke chapter 5. This is very early on in the story of Jesus. And like keep in mind that you know Luke 1 and 2 is the Christmas story. Luke chapter 3 is a pretty long genealogy. It's from Jesus to, a- Jesus to Adam. So like there's not been a lot of stuff that has happened so far. Mm-hmm. So this story is very early. And I don't think that Jesus is trying to like rub it in the faces of the scribes and the Pharisees, I think he is giving them an honest-to-God opportunity to recognize that he is the Messiah who has been sent by God. He is the one who has authority on earth to forgive sins and to heal infirmities, which is both what he does in this moment. But I want us to be careful with something, and that is that, you know, Jesus sees this paralyzed man and says your sins are forgiven. I don't want us to think that paralysis is a result of sin. Like, that's not how that works. But that is what Jesus chooses to say in order to send a message to the scribes and the Pharisees. So why do you think you said the Pharisees and scribes came from such a long distance away? Mm Mm-hmm. 
you think they were just curious? Had they just started to hear about Jesus and they were curious on what he might say? Yeah. Or why do you think they were there? At that point, so early in the gospel, before, like, Jesus is going to have ample opportunity to make them kind of frustrated and mm-hmm. then drive them insane. I think Jesus is so, because the way Jesus taught, and there's other people, other places that this is referenced in the gospels, Jesus teaches as one who has authority. And that's so different. And so from the very start, Jesus was different. And I think that they came out of pure fascination at that point. It eventually, because of things like this, it grew into anger and frustration, and then it grew into hatred and bitterness. Um, But for now, I I, I think this early in the Gospels, it just has to be pure fascination. Mm -hmm. So you had mentioned, um, well, the the Scripture mentions that Jesus um, talks about the friend's faith. Yeah. Talk about that again. Um, that might be one of my favorite lines in the entire gospel. Like, can you fathom having a faith that Jesus is impressed by? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jesus saw their faith. Jesus saw that these four, that these group of people, these group of men believed so strongly in who he was that they were willing to risk. I mean, climbing up on someone's roof is, is risky, mm-hmm. you know, like, especially in that day and age, like, you know, even now, like there are, there are, there are hazards to that. But in that day, they didn't have sheetrock and tar and, and, and shingles. They had, you know, thatch. They mm-hmm. had other, you know, they, they had secure roofs, but not, you know, great roofs. And so climbing up on a roof in itself is a little bit risky. Climbing up someone's roof with a paralyzed person on a mat is even scarier to me, at least. But they would stop at nothing. Jesus saw their faith. Jesus saw that they believed so strongly that, that he could heal this man that they stopped at nothing, even vandalism, mm-hmm. to get their friend to Jesus. Yeah. I just think that that's so cool. That Jesus saw their faith mm-hmm. and healed that man. Yeah. How do we beat that guy? Right? Yeah. That we're willing to risk everything mm-hmm. so that our friends can know Jesus. Yeah. How do we do that? Mm-hmm. I think the best answer is we do it by doing it. You know, like there are so many times where I think I look at someone that I know and love and trust that doesn't know Jesus. And I think to myself, what could I do to get them to understand who Jesus is? You know, and I don't think it's as big and bold as tearing off a roof. I think it's as big and bold as saying, hey, this is what matters to me and literally saying this to another person. We're literally sharing our faith in a way that makes sense and in a way that, you know, that, that's authentic to who we are and authentic to who God is in our lives, but also maybe, you know, connects with where they are in their life. Mm-hmm. You know, I see this and I've been there because of this, and this is what Jesus did as a result of it. I think that it's willing to be that vulnerable it's hard, it's, and it is a risk. 
you know, we, we, we often think about how it might, you know, ruin a friendship. That there might be a word that goes too far, you mm-hmm. know, or that it might be a threat to our physical safety. You know, we might be called to go somewhere where we are not safe mm-hmm. to share the gospel. You know, really, I mean, the, the question is, is what, are, what would be that, that scandalous for us to do? in order to witness to our faith and then being open when, when God call, when, when God calls us to do it, being open to actually doing it. It's such a hard conversation to have. It is. Um, and the hard part is the why I think Mm. we've got to understand our why. And that's probably what we need to worry, work on the most is having that, that elevator conversation Mm -hmm. of, you have 30 seconds to tell people why you want them to do something mm-hmm. because if, if you don't, if, if you can't sh- quickly deliver the why, no one's going to pay attention. Yep. Definitely. And that's the hardest part. That's what we need to work on. Yeah, for sure. So often I think that our why in sharing our faith is to get people in the door for mm-hmm. our sake. Mm-hmm. And that just absolutely cannot be a part of the conversation. That's a good point. Yeah, we have to get over it being for us and in mm-hmm. being able to continue to do the things that our church, we, we like to right. see our church yeah. doing. Yep. It yeah. has to be about mm-hmm. their salvation. Yeah. It cannot be for the ongoing sustenance of our institution. It has to be about making a way for them to experience the salvation, the love, the joy, the peace of Jesus Christ and nothing more. I struggle with that. Me too. I'm a pastor. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I mean, part of that's a big part of my job is to ensure that the church stays the church. And, you know, uh, yeah, that that's where it's a struggle for me because people can see that in me and just say, well, you only care because I'll, I'll mean this to your church. Mm-hmm. And that can't be further from the truth about who I am. The, the truth of who I am is that I want everybody to experience the acceptance and love of Jesus Christ in a way that I did, you know, that welcomed me when I felt completely unwelcomable because of who I was or am, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's so hard as a pastor to make that distinction with folks because they, I, I am the face of an institutional church. Yeah. But that is the beauty of being a part of this group Mm -hmm. is you're always welcome in this building. Yes. You know, the people that are here are always willing to, bring you in and mm-hmm. so we've got to share that with others yeah sometimes that's hard to put in words until you've experienced it too yep should we talk about the movie now Kronk gets a bad rap doesn't he he totally does he totally gets a bad rap if it wasn't for him the movie would have never existed no for sure not like if he hadn't botched killing Cusco in the first place and then at the end of it if he had not had the realization that the you know that the, when they're in the diner and he realizes that Pacha is the villager that he sees leaving with the, the llama bag in his car on his cart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
There would have been no, there would have been no conflict without Kronk, and there would have been no escalation of the storyline without Kronk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like Kristoff in, in Frozen. Without Kristoff, yes. n- the whole movie would have been shot. Mm-hmm. He's the true hero of that movie. Anyway, just made my daughter <laughs> mad. <but> <laughs> it's fine. Yep. It's fine. But no. I mean, if really, if, if Kronk hadn't almost killed Cusco, but then really saved Cusco the first yeah. time. Yep. Yep. And, and then at the end, if he had not wised up and turned on Yzma, mm-hmm. you know, to help Pacha and Cusco escape, Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Exactly. Gronk does get a bad rap, and like, he's just a big, sweet, softy, and he's That's just, right. just you know, he wants to be a servant to Isma so bad mm-hmm. that he'll do anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be a Gronk. It's right. okay. Mm-hmm. Ultimate follower, right there. Yes, for mm-hmm. sure. Willing to do anything for yep. everyone. Yes. Hmm. I don't know. I just had to get that off. I, I get it. I get it for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. What else do you want to talk about the movie? This is why, because of what I see, God, I mean, and not just, just because of the gospel, what I see in the storyline is the interplay of the relationships because of what Pacha means to the story and like being built kind of like Pacha really <laughs> helped. When I was a kid and this movie was coming out, I was already a big person. Mm-hmm. And then to see the a big person be a hero in a movie just really meant something to me. And to sure. see him add to the movie by being kind and compassionate and, you know, just over the top caring to someone that was pretty awful to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you not resonate with that? Right. Like, how do you not see that, you know, being this arrogant, brash, whatever that Cusco was isn't the way to do things being more like pacha having that way of peace having that you know that kindness and compassion to all people um even maybe sometime to his own detriment like how can you not want to be like that guy mm-hmm. so absolutely mm-hmm. maybe i need a pacha tattoo on this arm to, uh, to match my other emperor's new go. groove and uh, plus somehow he swung himself really good looking wife so it's true <laughs> he did nail that true. yes <laughs> Yep, good-looking wife with cute kids. That's I mean, right. Come on now. Good job, Pacha. Yes. Yeah, but... And they did nail the casting for Cusco. Yes. Like, David Spade was perfect oh, for that. Oh, absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Once again, this has nothing to do with the point, but... No, but but it's <laughs> not really... But you're not wrong. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. No, I just, I mean, the relationships that are formed in this movie and, and that, are, that are fleshed out in this movie just so resonate to me looking at it in, in a gospel context mm-hmm. of just saying, you know, where is the light of Christ being shown? It's through, I mean, truly it's through Kronk. Mm-hmm. Like, truly it is through Kronk. I mean, he wrestles with, you know, he goes through discernment right in front of us. He has the angel and the devil on I mean, it's, it's stereotypical and a little bit goofy, but like, he goes through and wrestles with discernment. Like he wrestles with the, what the what the right thing to do is, and who are we if not called to wrestle with the, what the right thing to do is, mm-hmm. you know? And then he makes the right choice more often than not. He doesn't kill Cusco. He looks out for. I mean, he could have. I mean, he could have ended the whole movie when he had to remix the drinks and poisoned everybody and just said, mm-hmm. "Okay, hey, I'm the emperor now." Mm-hmm. He could have made that choice. Right. Looked out for looked out for Isma. 
You know, there are, there are other times where she would have literally not done well without Kronk's, without Kronk's influence on her. You know, and so to, 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 wow. Sorry about that. Um, to, to see him in the light of the gospel is just so easy. And then, and then you have Pacha, like, you know, really, truly showing the kindness and compassion to all people that God has called us to show. You know, come on now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it kind of shows you that we can have um, gospel experiences with people that we don't expect. Yeah. It doesn't have to come from pastors all the time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to come from Absolutely. people in this building all the time. Yes, for sure. For sure. It can come in anywhere, just like it can come in any movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I mentioned this in the newsletter, um, but I, you know, the, there's a, there's a story around Big Hero Six for me as well, because it's the story of the resurrection. Mm-hmm. I watched that movie for the very first. I broke every rule of youth ministry. I watched a movie that I had not watched previously with my youth group. I did not pre-screen it at all. I just figured it was Disney and safe. And at the end of the movie, ba- I have no spoilers. But, you know, if you you know. Baymax, you know, sh- stays behind and shoots himself in, you know, shoots his fist through the portal to save um, Abigail and um, and Hero, and then he rebuilds the dang thing, and he's he has the card in the he hand. He has the card in the hand, and he rebuilds. Like that's the gospel. That's literally the gospel. Mm-hmm. How do you not see that, and how do you not celebrate that? Well, he's always with us, right? Yes. Tadashi's always here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's why I mean this sermon. This sermon series is supposed to be fun, but I also hope that it helps us see things differently. I hope it helps us see with gospel lens the rest of the world. You know, because it's there, it's out there. Well, especially at a time when everyone feels like everyone else is evil. Yeah, or doesn't care about the rest of the world mm-hmm. when actually I think most people still do. Yes. Stretch your barrier experience. It's mm-hmm. hard to say. It is, yes. Um, it's hard to type. I had to redo my slides like three times because I misspelled stretcher. Sure. Yep. Uh, when have you experienced that? Yeah. Uh, either for you or for someone else? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in my first appointment, um, we've talked a little bit about you know that whole experience and just that things were not good. Um, you know, and... What ended up happening is my friend, Pastor Peggy, um, set her alarm on her phone Thursdays at 10 o'clock to pray for me and to text me a prayer. And like, it took me a few weeks to notice what was going on. Just like, oh, hey, Peggy texted me. Oh, hey, Peggy's praying for me today. That's awesome. Um, You know, but then I started to like pay attention and say, oh, it's always Thursdays at 10. Peggy has set an alarm for me. Peggy has set an alarm for me and a couple of other people to make sure that we get prayed for once a week. And that was in a time when things just, things were just not good. Mm-hmm. I, was not in a good I was not in a good place spiritually. I was not in a good place professionally. I was just not in a good place, period. But to know that I had a friend every week that cared enough to set her alarm on her phone that cared enough to like not just say, hey, I'm praying for you, but to like actually type out a legit prayer every week. I mean, that changed me in in mm-hmm. ways that I cannot even begin to enumerate at this moment. But it, it, it has changed 
me. It's why I have endured in ministry. Like, honest to God, it's why I'm still a pastor. Not just because of Peggy, but because of several other folks that we're doing, maybe not as in, in the same degree or in the same way, but like, had it not been for my friends stopping at nothing to keep me engaged to the church and keep me engaged in, engaged in my faith, I don't know what would have happened next. They were stretcher bearers for me. Mm-hmm. And they tore through all of my bull crap that I tried to put in the way of it. You know, like I, when things are not going well, I insulate. I, I, I collapse into myself. I don't reach out. I don't, you know, I, I, I just internalize. And they cut through all of my crap and tore it away and just said, hey, we love you and we're going to pray for you. And when things are not good, you call us and you make sure that you do. And we're going to, and if, and if you don't, we're going to call you on it. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they loved me enough to, to just, to just make sure that I didn't just completely implode. And it has made all the difference. It changed me as a person. And now my honor because of that is to do that for other people. You know, if I, if, if, if it is setting a, setting an alarm at a certain time and praying for you specifically, that's what I'm going to do. If it's making sure that you need, if, 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 if it's you needing a check-in, it's what I'm going to do. If I'm going to make sure, and you, if you need a phone call to help just, just, even if you just want to yell, because sometimes things suck and you just need to yell about them. I'm that person. And that's what I want to be for people. And, you know, so that's, that's me being, that's my hope in being a stretcher bearer to others. That's awesome. Yeah. I can't follow that. <laughs> I haven't had that moment where I felt like I needed mm-hmm. a stretcher. Yeah. Which I'm blessed with. I'm not going to complain about it, I guess. Right. Thank, yeah, for sure. Thank goodness I haven't had Yeah, any. Absolutely. Haven't had to experience that, but man, mm-hmm. that the impact that that's had on you, that makes me want to do the same. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. So what are we doing next week? Yeah. So next week we're continuing this message series. Uh, we are going to be looking at um, the movie Encanto. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that too loudly because we're doing a little contest on our Facebook page. You can listen, and while well, Disney might be listening, that's to this. true. That's true. You never know. <laughs> Make it act. Never know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so we are doing the movie Encanto, um, and we'll be looking at the different giftings in that movie. Um, and basically, we'll be exploring because you know it centers around Mirabelle, who doesn't have a gift, and that makes her feel so estranged from her family. Mm-hmm. It makes her overcompensate. It changes her personality, really. You know, and then. To she, I mean, she has to watch her littler cousin get his gift, and like the whole village knows that like the last time there was a gift ceremony was hers, and it didn't go well, and and there's just so much focus on her not having a gift and everyone else having a gift, but yet it seems like their gifts are almost a little bit of a hindrance because there's so much stress involved with the gifts. Like Louisa is gifted with strength and she starts to like twitch and then she loses her strength. Like she loses her gift for a while because there has just been so much surface pressure put Mm -hmm. on her. 
And I think that it's worth exploring in the midst of our own giftedness. Like we have been gifted by God, but yet we can still look at the gifts of other people and still feel inadequate and still feel unworthy of even what we do have. So when we're looking at the Apostle Paul and the section of the book of Philippians where he lists out all of the advantages that he has, but why they don't mean a thing because of Jesus. And so we can have all the gifts we want to in our own lives. We can have all the spiritual gifts we want to. We can have that exact blend of spiritual gifts that we just desire to have. But if our spiritual gifts don't matter to anybody else, they don't really matter. And so that's where we're going to be driving at on Sunday. I'm looking forward to putting putting the rest of that together, but yet that's kind of my general direction of looking at what our gifts are, how we name and claim those gifts, and how we use them to the glory of God. Fantastic. Looking forward to it. Well, thanks for joining us on this week's Cut for Time podcast. Join us again next week for a canto. (laughs) And then again for the podcast (laughs) next week. (laughs) Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.